0: Another big-name receiver is on the move with Tyreek Hill heading to the Miami Dolphins. How will this move, coupled with Devontae Adams heading to the Raiders, impact negotiations for DK Metcalf's next contract with the Seahawks? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it down on our latest installment here of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week. Got another jam packed episode coming your way. A lot of movement in the NFL with wide receivers who are starting to throw around quarterback caliber money. Tyreek Hill being the latest to break the bank heading to the Miami Dolphins. How does that impact DK Metcalf's contract situation as he heads into the final year of his rookie deal with the Seahawks? Rob and I are going to be breaking that down, plus, taking a look at where the defensive depth chart stands for the Seahawks after one week of free agency. Now for your lead story here on locked on Seahawks, a familiar face is returning to the Pacific Northwest as reported this morning. I've been able to confirm with multiple sources that this deal is indeed happening. The Seahawks will be bringing back veteran corner, Justin Coleman, who interestingly maybe was one of the more shrewd, uh, one of the more shrewd trades that John Schneider has made during his entire time in Seattle. They acquired him in 2017, from the New England Patriots for a seventh-round pick on the 1st of September. We're talking end of training camp going into the regular season, one of those late flyers, and all he ended up doing was having two spectacular seasons as the slot corner for the Seahawks. And you and I may disagree on this, Rob, but I think he's the best slot corner the Seahawks have had during the John Schneider and Pete Carroll era. Bringing him back is going to give them a lot of flexibility in the secondary.
1: Yeah, I think it absolutely gives Seattle a lot of flexibility. Um, I mean, you think about what the what the Seahawks have done here. I mean, they obviously brought back Cindy Jones. They they made the move to bring back Artie Burns, who I think with his length, his physicality, he projects better on the outside. Then you bring in one of the NFL's better uh nickel cornerbacks in uh in Justin, excuse me, in Justin Coleman here. I was about to say Jeremy Lane, because that's who I would argue might right there be with. Uh, Justin Coleman. In in terms of some of the best nickel cornerbacks that the Seahawks have had during the Pete Carroll-John Schneider era, but to me, that, that is the thing here is that Seattle is very uh, clearly kind of focusing in on certain traits at different cornerback positions. And the fact that you have a guy here who has been a proven playmaker um, and obviously has a great deal of familiarity with, with Seattle as well. I, I think this is a really exciting move for the Seahawks at this point. So one that I am excited to kind of break down a little bit further as we move on.
0: Yeah, Coleman is a player that still is playing at a high level. He did have a rough season two years ago with the Detroit Lions. you got to remember, after those two great years he had in Seattle where he had two defensive touchdowns, three interceptions, two fumble recoveries, he cashed in with the Detroit Lions and signed a four-year contract worth more than $30 million. But he only made it through two years of that deal because the second season in Detroit did not go well. He was on injured reserve for part of that and didn't play very well upon his return from that injury, ended up having a reduced role. But the Miami Dolphins for just $2.25 million last year got pretty good value with Justin Coleman, a nice bounce back season. He was targeted 39 times, did not give up a touchdown, had two interceptions and a pass breakup, did have some issues with missed tackles. And that was a problem that he had his couple years in Seattle too. He is a capable run defender, but he did leave some tackles on the field. That's always been kind of an issue for him. But I really like this pickup because we know that the Seahawks, based on what Clint Hurt has said previously, they are going to be playing more man coverage. Sidney Jones today, speaking with reporters, hinted that as well. They're going to be playing more man than what we've seen. Last year with Ken Norton Jr., they were 31st in the NFL in cover one usage. So they very rarely played man coverage compared to the rest of the league. That's going to change, especially with Sean Desai now being on the staff. In Chicago, they played quite a bit of cover one, and that's typical for Vic Fangio schemes. You're typically going to see more man coverage like that. you can see a good mix of two deep safety looks as well. Justin Coleman is at his best. Both of his picks last year came in man coverage. You go back and watch the games of the Seahawks in 2017, 2018. 2017, they were playing a bit more man coverage than what we've seen in recent seasons, and Justin Coleman was a big part of that. And so he gives them that flexibility. He could be your every down slot guy in the nickel, or you could do some mixing and matching. Maybe a player like Ugo Amadi, who is not as good in man coverage, doesn't change direction quite as well, but is really sound in zone coverage. There may be certain opponents you game plan, and you're going to use him a bit more out there in the slot. Or maybe Marquise Blair, Artie Burns played quite a bit in the slot for the Bears under Sean Desai last season. So what they've really done, Rob, is they've given themselves a lot of options, a lot of alternatives to pick from, defensive flexibility, defending the pass against different types of offenses. And and in the long run, it might spell doom for one of those players because I don't know that they can hang on to all of those players, especially with some of the guys on the outside. If they draft a corner or two, it is going to be extremely competitive just to get a roster spot in this group
1: is. And and I love that you kind of mentioned that if they draft somebody, of course I'm going to kind of try and chime in here with, with what I think that this means from a Seahawks draft perspective. Um, again, th- this means that Seattle has signed three different cornerbacks. Obviously Sidney Jones being a player that they brought back, but then with Artie Burns and Justin Coleman both playing the last couple of years elsewhere, then that means three different corners, two outsiders quote unquote, who have been brought into the Seahawks franchise here over the last couple Months, that means the likelihood that they are going to be using that number nine, number 40, number 41 overall selections and a cornerback, it seems pretty unlikely. And I and I think that, that is notable because this is a really good cornerback class, Corbin. So th- that's the thing is that you know, shouldn't Amad Sauce Gardner fall into your lap at number nine? I, I still think that that's going to be in play. Yeah, it's just going to be he, he is going to qualify as one of the better players on the board at that point, but still. I think it's very clear that that seattle is now very much prioritizing edge rushers quarterbacks and offensive tackles what we've been kind of speculating that that might be seattle's focus anyways but to me this is just evidence that, that is exactly what john schneider and Pete carroll are thinking about on, on their end and again going back to what we talked about before with uh justin coleman and with jeremy lane I-, I would agree with you that was one of the things that i had concerns about with, with coleman in the past is he is not the open field tackler that i thought that jeremy lane was that's why i would give lane a little bit of a of a heads up you know in terms of just comparing the two Ugo Amadi is very much that same way i think that he is a good open field tackler but he does not have the, the man-to-man skills he's not quite as quick laterally not quite as fast vertically doesn't have the length in, in terms of his arms. So I think that, that he has got to be a player who is very much uh, unaware at this point, considering the fact that the Seattle just brought back Justin Coleman. And again, I am encouraged by the talent that Seattle has brought back at the cornerback position. We do expect Seattle's pass rush to be a little bit better. Again, I'm a big fan of the Siam of Nwosu from the Chargers. And I do think that Seattle is going to be investing in a relatively early selection, perhaps as early as number nine overall in that pass rush and making it a little bit easier on Seattle's cornerbacks to be able to play that man-to-man position that you described before.
0: Yeah, like you said, these moves suggest that Seattle, and again, it doesn't rule them out from picking a corner early, but again, they have never picked a corner earlier than the third round under John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and this suggests to me bringing in these veteran corners that are good scheme fits, they might not necessarily be wanting to use an early pick at that position. Nonetheless, they have given themselves options. You have players that have different skill sets that may be good fits against different types of offenses, and you know Sean Desai is going to want to mix and match. Some of these players out there when they're in nickel and dime sets. And so it's going to be really fun to watch. Again, a lot of options. Speaking of options, you never have a shortage of options when it comes to built bar. If you haven't tried built bar puffs, you're missing out. One of the best built bars on the market protein infused marshmallows. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a delicious treat covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are going to be a fan favorite. And a lot of incredible flavors as well. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so delicious. All built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. These are going to replace your candy bars. Four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Regular built Bars come in a bunch of amazing flavors too. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie. They're always coming up with new flavors. If they think a flavor might be good, they're going to make it, and it's going to be delicious. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast streaming five days a week on YouTube. Expert analysis for all 32 teams five days a week. Again, that's available streaming on YouTube. You can also check out the audio versions on all major platforms. Let's talk receivers here, Rob. And DK Metcalf, the most high-profile player in the Seahawks roster that is entering a contract year, the final year of his rookie contract. He's put up gaudy numbers the last three years. He was a second-team All-Pro selection at just 22 years of age two years ago broke Steve large in single season record for receiving yards two years with 10 plus touchdowns. He's just been spectacular since they drafted him late in the second round out of Ole Miss a few years ago. And this has been a contentious topic for a while because the Seahawks typically are not a team that throws the football in there as much as a lot of other teams in the league. And they've already invested a ton of money in a new contract for Tyler Lockett Now, you've got Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill changing teams and signing record-breaking contracts, both of them getting quarterback money. DK Metcalf, just 24 years old. It feels like if the Seahawks are going to do what Pete Carroll said they're hoping to do yesterday and getting him locked up quickly, it is going to be for a lot of money. A lot
1: of money. As as you said, quarterback money. Let's, Let's put that in perspective. I mean, the deal that Devontae Adams just signed is going to average $28 million per year. The the deal that Tyreek Hill just received from the Miami Dolphins after getting traded from the Kansas City Chiefs. If you weren't paying attention on a random Wednesday in March, Corbin, then, oh my goodness, you know, Cheetah. The the NFL's fastest, most explosive receiver, with all due respect to D.K. Metcalf, just got traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, and he has signed for a a contract that's going to give him $30 million per season. I mean, my goodness, we are in a whole different era of the NFL, and I think it just kind of speaks to one of the reasons why Seattle felt like they had to trade Russell Wilson. They didn't have any other choice you either have to have a number one quarterback or you have to have a number one wide receiver or you have to try and figure out a way that you can win in today's modern era of past happy nfl without either one of them and i think that seattle made the choice with the younger more gifted frankly receiver in dk Metcalf than the obviously older obviously more proven as well quarterback in russell wilson i mean they kind of were put in a situation where they had to make a choice and they did make a choice and their choice was dk metcalf so i think this is fascinating because seattle is very much going to be in a position where they're going to have to give dk metcalf an incredible amount of money but at the same time if he deserves that kind of money then he is going to have to prove it now that he does not have a quote unquote number one caliber quarterback, whether it be Drew Locke, whether it be a rookie in this draft class, whether it be Juno Smith, whether it be Jacob Eason, whether it be Baker Mayfield, Somebody is going to be throwing the football, the DK Metcalf, and if he is going to deserve the type of money that we just saw Tyreek kill and Devontae Adams sign with their respective clubs, and then DK Metcalf is going to have to have a spectacular season in twenty twenty two for the Seahawks. And that's the thing is the Seahawks fans should be just you know excited about what this means because they motivated a hungry DK Metcalf. I mean, all we've seen is just DK Metcalf just normally. Yeah, I, a guy who is that much more committed could wind up being the NFL's best, the wide receiver position. And let's be real, everybody who's watched this guy, haven't you thought this guy could be the best? And that's what the Seahawks are excited to see if he is going to actually live up to all of that potential this upcoming season.
0: And for those that i have seen plenty of people on social media, bring this up, those that don't think DK Metcalf would be worth 24 25 26 million dollars for per year have you watched the highlight reels have you seen the plays that this guy makes and also the fact he's only 24 years old and he's still a raw as a route runner they still got a lot of room to grow he played most of last season with a with a bad foot and he still had almost a thousand receiving yards and more than 10 touchdowns And, oh, his quarterback was out for three games, too, and really was out six because when he came back, he wasn't the same quarterback. He was not healthy, wasn't throwing the football effectively. So there are a lot of reasons why it would make sense for the Seahawks to break the bank here, even with Tyler Lockett's contract situation, with him just signing a big extension. You lock up your great players, and they now are going to have the financial flexibility to do that because even though they've got Russell Wilson's dead cap hit on the books this year, next year – there won't be any money for Russell Wilson that's on the books. They're going to have well over $100 million in cap space. You have the financial flexibility to make this signing, and you know that DK Metcalf's agent is going to be pushing for that kind of money. You can make an argument right now that he is not in that same class as Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill in terms of being an overall receiver, overall weapon, but the upside is there for him in this next season to enter that upper echelon where he is a top three, top four caliber receiver. So you know his agent's going to be pushing for that kind of money. The Seahawks are going to have a tough time getting any kind of a discount here at a position where guys that are elite receivers, they are cashing in. And this is the other reason that his agent's going to have probably a pretty easy time convincing the Seahawks or putting them into a corner to make that kind of a signing. There have only been seven receivers in NFL history that have had 3,100 receiving yards or more and 29 or more touchdowns in their first three seasons. DK Metcalf is one of them. Here are a few other names that are on that list, Rob. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, Bob Hayes, and John Jefferson. That's the list of receivers. That's the seven players there. Now, obviously, Adams and Tyreek Hill, their names are not on there, so... I could see DK Metcalf's agent putting this out there and being like, "Uh, hello, this guy is a rare talent for his first three years in the league with this type of production. You need to pay him. And so it is going to be a very fascinating negotiation to watch, especially with there now being reports circulating that the Chiefs and Packers have called the Seahawks about both Lockett and Metcalf looking for replacement receivers after trading away Adams and Hill. Who knows if anything's going to go on that front, but if the Seahawks don't want to pay $25 million per year to DK Metcalf, maybe they'll look at the haul that the Chiefs got back for Tyreek Hill today. I mean, they basically got the same package that the Seahawks got for Russell Wilson in terms of draft picks by trading Tyreek Hill away. If you could get that kind of package back for DK Metcalf where you're getting multiple first round picks, maybe a day two pick or two and a day three pick. I mean, you're talking four or five draft picks. You would at least have to listen. As John Schneider's talked about, you got to pick up the phone and you got to listen. I'm not condoning them making that move, but I could see the Seahawks having some interest in that, especially considering that they are now entering this new era without Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner.
1: Yeah, I think you have to at least have that conversation if somebody's going to call you up and make that type of an offer. Um, you know, I mean, as you just explained, Corb, I mean, he's 24 years old. I mean, the numbers that you were just uh, explaining, the, the seven names that you just listed, I mean, half of those guys are Hall of Famers, and most of the other half ha- aren't qualified yet to be Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, and, and so that's the thing is, is that. We were talking about truly rarefied air with, with, with this guy, D.K. Metcalf, and that's one of the things that remains to be seen is how well he is going to do when he doesn't have a quarterback of the caliber of Russell Wilson. But at the same time, that's one of the things that Pete Carroll has been kind of talking about here on the local airwaves is that you don't necessarily have to have an elite caliber quarterback to win. And I would agree with that. I mean, especially when you have a running game the way that Seattle has, when you have a guy with the size and the speed, the ability to be able to kind of use, a pardon the expression, but to beast mode cornerbacks the way that DK Metcalf can with both his size and his speed, then you do have a truly a difference-making wide receiver here. And he does potentially deserve this, this kind of dollar. So I again, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see because I would be surprised if Seattle decides to trade him or decides to extend him at this point. I think they're got to keep that carrot in front of a guy who has struggled with durability throughout his college career. And if he can have that kind of type ta- that that type of season that I think we're all expecting, hoping for from a Seattle perspective, then if nothing else, you have to franchise that player and, and be able to kind of keep him because he is. That's special of a guy. So to me, again, we we talked about the the Russell Wilson decision, and that was fascinating in so many different ways. And obviously Seattle made the decision they felt like they had to do. They have a few more options here with DK Metcalf, and he is that damn good. So that's the thing is, is that you have a decision you have to make here with him. I think that he wants to be here. I think that his production speaks for itself. I think his age speaks for itself. I think we might be talking about one of uh, the truly Canton level players that the Seattle Seahawks have ever drafted groomed and hopefully be able to watch him, uh, you know, play his entire career with the Seattle Seahawks.
0: And that would be my argument here. Why you hang on to him again, just a phenomenal talent. He's 24 years old, six foot four 230 pound receivers that run four, three, three forties and can burn corners downfield. Those don't grow on trees. And I do agree with you that I think DK Metcalf still wants to be here. There were some reports out there about a little bit of strife between him and Russell Wilson. He might not necessarily be completely against the idea of having somebody else throwing him the football. He would never admit that publicly, but I think he wants to be in the Pacific Northwest, the team that traded up to take a chance on him. And he's had such a good start to his career. So I think that these two sides are going to work things out. It might not be this off season. They might wait until next year. If that happens, franchise tag is certainly on the table, but I think they want DK around for the long haul. If they get blown away by a trade offer, of course, John Schneider is going to consider all possibilities, but I just can't see them moving a young player of this talent. Even at a position where there's a lot of talent coming into the draft each year, it is kind of a crossroads of the receiver spot now where there's so much talent coming in year in year out. You got to wonder how long these huge contracts are going to be dished out to receivers before teams start taking a different approach and moving on from players. Maybe that's what the Packers and Chiefs are doing right now, and they're going to cycle back through some younger receivers in the draft class. But nonetheless, I don't see the Seahawks going that route. I think DK is going to be a Seahawk for an extended period of time. It's just going to cost a lot of money. That's the one guarantee we have. It is going to be 25, 26, 27, maybe more million dollars to get this guy per year locked up and every dollar that he asked for, I think he's going to be totally worth that. He's going to have earned it with the numbers he's put up so far. We're going to get to our defensive depth chart state of the Seahawks roster. Yesterday we looked at offense and I'm looking forward to this Rob, because maybe we'll have a little more positives to look at on the defensive side of the football, especially with now Justin Coleman joining the team.
1: Well, before we break down our defensive depth charts, I want to talk to you about a product my wife and I use literally every day. We started taking athletic greens because we want an easy, delicious way of improving our gut health, and we found it. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, we – And you as well could be absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly. We drink it first thing in the morning, even before our coffee. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. We've experienced better, sounder sleep and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health. And, your, and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash NFL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
0: You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me as always for our Wednesday episode Rob rang thanks for making locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week yesterday Rob we we do this a few times during the offseason a bit of a roster reset a state of the Seahawks we were looking at the offensive depth chart quarterbacks receivers offensive line tight end all the position groups and we put the players into tiers five different tiers all pro pro bowl caliber quality starter viable reserve and fringe player. Again, that is not meant to be an insult. All these guys are remarkable athletes, the best of the best, but there are always going to be players that are bottom of the roster that are battling for one of those final spots on the 53 man roster. And we talked a lot about how on offense, it seems like there's a lot of players that are in those bottom two categories a lot of viable reserves and a lot of fringe players. It feels like if you look at the defensive side of the football, especially with the addition today, we don't have Justin Coleman on our chart, but Justin Coleman is a proven slot corner with multiple teams, including his two years with the Seahawks. Played well in Detroit for a year. Last year had a really solid season with the Miami Dolphins. And so I would put him in that cornerback group as another one in the gray, a quality starter if you're looking at slot. And so they've to me, they've got a bit more talent. You've got one guy with clear all-pro talent in Jamal Adams. I think you could make the argument that Quandre Diggs is bordering on that category being a two-time Pro Bowler the last two seasons and you've also got Jordan Brooks who got an all-pro vote that is an ascending young talent that looks ready to take the torch from Bobby Wagner so there are a lot of names on here that have Pro Bowl caliber potential or at the very least are quality starters and a few of the additions they've made are guys that I think can make an immediate impact for this defense.
1: I 100% agree with you. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you look at Seattle statistics from a year ago, you would argue that Seattle's defense needs the most work. But considering the trade obviously made, sending Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, um, you know, and, and the fact that Seattle has not brought, got, brought back either Dwayne Brown or Brennan Shell, just kind of, Raising some questions about the offensive tackle position, I would argue the offense is the bigger area of concern right now than the defense. I I really like what what Seattle has done, um, in, in their front seven here. They they brought back Al Woods. You 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 sign Uchenna Nweso, who I think is going to absolutely be a difference maker for the CX. We talked about earlier to just in today's show, of course, that that Seattle has now brought back three cornerbacks, um, so completely uh, changing their corner back room, and then as well as safety, bringing back Quandre Diggs as well, I, I really look at this spot uh, or, or this positional group as far as the defense, and I just still think that you have to do something at that off-ball linebacker position, and I, I think that at least on paper, you have to do something. I, I should kind of take a step back there. The, the Seahawks know better than anybody what they believe in with Cody Barton and Ben Burke curvin what what they know about john radigan and his uh, ability to come back from that that significant knee injury from a year ago but at the same time i like this linebacker class i think that it's better than people want to give it credit for um and then as far as the edge rushers again i think that the fact that you you signed nuoso right off the bat this is not an area of of huge concern but we know the way that you have to compete in today's NFL, Corbin. So so maybe that still suggests you have to get one more edge rusher. But still, I think just looking at the depth chart right now as it stands, a week after free agency began, there's still some areas of concern, but also some areas that Seattle has done some legitimate work and deserves a little bit of kudos for the, uh, the, for the signings that they've made so far.
0: Yeah, I think you just pinpoint the two position groups on here that I think still are the biggest question marks. Safety is outstanding as long as you can keep your players healthy. You've got Jamal Adams. You've got Quandre Diggs, your starters. And then behind him, Marquise Blair could still be a quality safety in the NFL. He's just been hurt so darn much. We haven't had a chance to really see what he can do for an extended period of time. Ryan Neal has been a great super sub. You're going to have him coming back. Ugo can play the safety positions, particularly free safety. So they've got some good depth at the safety position, along with having star power. And I really like the defensive tackle group that they have because Al Woods had a great season last year. I like the contract they gave him. Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson are two players that can reduce inside and can play as defensive tackles while also being defensive ends. They're going to give you a lot of flexibility with where they can line up and they have some pass rushing ability. I like the big bodies that they have on the defensive line. You mentioned adding an edge though. I think they need to add at least two more, whether that's through free agency or the draft, because you look at their starters, especially they're going to be leaning towards more of three, four Daryl Taylor. You and I've agreed has the upside to be a pro bowl caliber player. He had six sacks last year, showed a lot of flashes, had some games where he didn't do a lot. And you could tell that it was kind of his rookie season, but He's got the athleticism and twitch and pass rushing ability to be a real nuisance off the edge. And Nuosu, I see a lot of similar things in his game and he had an interception last year. Both these guys have enough athleticism to be able to drop back in coverage. Those are the kind of edge rushers that you are going to be looking for. If you're leaning more towards a three, four style scheme. And right now, you look beyond them. The only other guy on the roster that I think could play that role is Alton Robinson. And I have questions about him as a cover guy. I view him more as a traditional four, three linebacker, So our four, three defensive end. So they're going to need to add some other players to the mix that have the ability, the juice to rush off the edge while still being able to drop back in coverage. I wouldn't be shocked if they draft two guys at that position because I don't see a lot of free agent options that make sense. There are a lot of guys past the age of 30 that I wouldn't be signing given where the Seahawks are at right now, but that would be a big question mark for me. And I agree with you. This linebacker class is much better than advertised. I mean, think of some of the names we've thrown around in our mock drafts when we've done that Georgia. I mean, Georgia's got like 18 good linebackers in this draft class to pick from Channing Tindall, uh, Quay Walker, there's a kid from Montana State, Troy Anderson, I think would be really fun in Seattle with his background yep. playing multiple positions and his freakish athletic traits. There are a bunch of other guys in that day two, early day three window that would make sense. And Cody Barton might be your guy. I mean, he looked good the last two starts last season replacing Bobby Wagner, but we have not seen him out there near enough for me to jump to the conclusion that, you know what, that's your that's your replacement for Bobby Wagner. I need to see him go out there and beat out a rookie, you're beat out a free agent that is brought in that's got starting experience. And he got to be able to prove that he can play a full season as a defensive starter. He has not had the opportunity to do that. And so I'm hesitant to say that's your guy. He could be. This just looks to me like a position group, though, that regardless, You're going to need to add some capable bodies to compete against him. If Ben Burkirvan comes back healthy, John Radigan might be your wild card there, a guy the Seahawks really like. If he can come back successfully from his torn ACL, they need to add another body or two, though, at that position. So to me, those are the two most notable areas to address, and I still think drafting another outside corner would make a lot of sense, too.
1: No, I, I agree. I, I think uh, always adding cornerback talent, especially in a draft class, as good as this one, would make some sense. Uh, but again, I, I think that we just basically... Uh, you know, identified the the two positions that we can expect the Seattle to invest a draft pick in. Seattle right now has eight draft picks. Of course, in the 2022 draft class, including number nine, overall number 40, overall number 41 overall. And the, the two positions that we have focused our attention on would be edge rusher and the off ball linebacker. I would be stunned if Seattle does not invest at least one draft pick in those two positions this year. So to me, that's what it all comes down to, Corbin, is that the, the, the draft fans out there who are listening to our podcast and start watching some tape. I talked to a general manager a couple of days ago who said that he thought there could be 10 edge rushers who are drafted in the first round. Let's just be clear. There's 32 picks in the first round. If 10 of them are dedicated to one position, then, oh, my goodness, that just speaks to. To what a remarkable draft class this is at Pass Rusher and why Seattle probably has to be a little bit of a a betting favorite to use number nine or 40 or 41 or perhaps two of the three on edge rushers because this draft class among edge rushers is really that special.
0: And I'm going to throw one other position out there that might be a wild card with one of those first three picks they have in the first two rounds because. I don't think there's great depth necessarily this year at defensive tackle, but there are some really intriguing three-tech, five-tech hybrids that are going to be available in those first couple rounds that could make a lot of sense for the Seahawks. And Al Woods is going to be 35. He is not a long-term solution for the Seahawks. Puna Ford's entering the last year of his contract. Maybe that's a player they prioritize extending this offseason, but he's going into free agency soon. So that is a position group that I could see if Seattle finds a player, like let's say Perry on Winfrey ends up falling into their lap early in the second round with one of those two picks they've got. Then I could absolutely see John Schneider picking it because Winfrey would be a good fit as that three tech spot playing in your three, four alignment. And if they're playing some of their four man front stuff, you can play him as a big end. He's got enough athleticism to be able to do that. And so I think that there are some interior players that could make a lot of sense for the Seahawks. I just don't view it as their greatest need. But if you're going by best player available and looking more long-term than short-term, then that absolutely would be a need for them to consider here.
1: It would be. And that's the thing. I mean, I don't know that our, our listeners who are just listening to audio not watching on YouTube can see the, the smile on my face when you mentioned Perry on Winfrey, one of those junkyard dogs we talked about before the Seahawks need to have. He absolutely would check that box. So, again, I think this is going to be a fascinating draft. I'm excited to, to break down the next month with you, Corbin, because I think that the Seahawks in this little roster turnaround I don't know if that's going to be quite as long as you might expect. I think there's a lot of talent for the Seahawks to exploit in this 2022 draft class.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how this process plays out. We've still got a lot of free agency ahead of us, still a number of players the Seahawks could be bringing in their own free agents, outside free agents. We don't know what's going to happen on the quarterback front. So there's a lot of question marks for the Seahawks, but that's what makes this time of year exciting, especially when you're going into a new era Obviously, it bums fans out that you're moving on from Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, but there's a sense of freshness. Now, whether that ends up paying off with a team getting built that's going to be contending or it sets the organization back because they misfire in a bunch of moves, we don't know what's going to happen. But it'll be a fascinating thing to see how things play out here over the next month or so as we lead up to the 2022 NFL draft. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob. At Rob Rang, we appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make sure to check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast hosted by Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and share with friends. Five days a week, live streaming. Thanks for listening in. Coming up on tomorrow's show, going to be answering your questions, our weekly mailbag, and the latest on free agency. Maybe looking at some cap casualties, mid-free agency cap casualties for the Seahawks as we head closer to the draft. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.